Welcome to the Pain Podcast, presented by Le Peuple Scientifique. We are thrilled to bring you a platform that unites clinicians, researchers, and pain advocates in sharing a pursuit, understanding pain. In this series of podcasts, we aim to bridge the gap between scientific knowledge and practical applications in the field of pain. Our episodes will feature insightful discussions with leading experts, exploring the latest research findings, innovative treatments and emerging trends in the realm of pain. Whether you are a healthcare professional seeking evidence-based practices, a researcher diving into the depths of the pain mechanisms, or a dedicated advocate striving to improve the lives of individuals in pain, you are welcome. Check out our website, get confident and competent in treating pain. Start today. Welcome to another edition. Today, I've got the great pleasure of welcoming Ben Cormack to, uh, yeah, I've got a few questions for Ben, but um, yeah, quick heads up about Ben. Um, I've been thinking quite hard about this, Ben, and, and we obviously know each other fairly well. Uh, and I wanted to call you uh, an agitator or provocateur. Um, I don't know, I feel, feel like that was just enough. I feel that like that's a nice uh, introduction for you, but Ben, Ben, um, well, Ben's got a, a few projects that he is involved in. Um, he, he has a huge interest in pain, educating people in pain, rehabilitation, exercise. And uh, well, the company that I guess most people might have heard you with is Core Kinetic. And uh, more recently, you're a co-founder of the Better Clinician Project. So you're very much a therapist, aren't you? You've just seen a couple of patients you were telling me about as well. Um, I've got a couple of questions. And... The one that I'm interested in at the moment is around exercise. And the question is about painful exercise. Okay. What are your thoughts about, as a therapist, giving someone some exercise to do and it being painful for that person? Firstly, I'm going to say thank you for inviting me, Tim. Um, I feel under pressure now, but we're going to go for it. So, yeah, we only got 10, 10 minutes, 28 seconds to go. I think if we look at the data, it says that it's not necessarily detrimental. Now, I don't think that means we need to push people into screaming, agonistic, painful exercise. But what it does tell us is that if we do have some discomfort, it's not necessarily making the problem worse. And so I think the idea of causing pain isn't one that appeals to me. I think pushing people into pain they don't want to go into is a problem. But I think understanding that some pain, some discomfort isn't necessarily a negative thing or a bad thing is really, really valuable for people to understand. So painful exercise should always be in the choice of the person doing it. But we're armed with the knowledge that it doesn't mean that it's going to be harmful or damaging to their bodies. Lovely. Yeah. So putting yourself in that therapist position, if someone is experiencing pain, what are the, as you said, it's their decision. So how do you, yeah, in the, in that situation, what, what is it that you're doing? How do you explore that? Or, or how do you give them that freedom then? Well, I think certainly one thing that we do know is, is that things like pain self-efficacy do seem, does seem to be a fairly decent prognostic indicator 
um, over the course of a problem. So our ability to tolerate and cope with pain. So I, I, I think that that is kind of, that sometimes for me is a measure of success of people understanding their own bodies a little bit better. So actually often I'll start working with people and they won't be very tolerant of a bit of discomfort and we'll explore that and they can feel that and they hopefully have the safety to explore that and say where they're comfortable and where they're not comfortable. And as we go along and they experience more of that and they aren't finding that it's equaling, you know, greater problems, worse outcomes, then they may experience a bit more, push themselves a little bit harder, greater dosage of exercise or activity. And suddenly we're finding that their ability to tolerate pain hopefully gets a little greater. And then maybe even that pain intensity isn't as much, you know, we get some elements of habituation in there as well. Mm. So certainly for me, it's about gradually exploring that with people, but hopefully in a safe and controlled environment. Yeah, yeah. So, so safety sort of jumps out at me with that then. And, and is it just about the exercising and gradually exposing someone to that? Or do you have other ideas thoughts something else in your toolbox that allow you to pro provide that safety well, I, I think as an overall experience that's involved in action and also um, interaction so in, in the sense that it's not just the it's not just doing it or it's not just talking about it it's doing it and talking about it and rationalizing it and understanding it and recapping on it and you know maybe challenging some perceptions and expectancy violation all these other fancy you know terms that people like to throw out there but really it's action and interaction uh, and i think that when we mix the two is when we probably get the best change it's not just talking it's not just doing it's a bit of both yeah, 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 that sounds one. I mean, massage is my biases, Ben. So thank, thank you for doing that. And and then and and then I mean, there's questions out there, aren't there? In the, in in the exercise world, and and one of my thoughts here is about whether or not um, there needs to be meaning to an exercise that you're giving someone. So when I'm saying that, I mean, does that does a movement does it serve a purpose for it to be functional, for instance? So I much prefer the idea of value. So that it actually someone values benefit. So look, I, as people talk about meaning, what does that really mean? I don't know myself sometimes. It's a bit fluffy, isn't it? And we talk about things like fun, but some people really hate moving and exercise, but they do it because there's value in something in it, right? So whether that's an effect on my health, whether that's my mental health, whether it's getting away from the kids and going to the gym, whether it's, you know, I can overcome this even though I have pain. You know, I, I think it's about finding value for that person. Is there a value in actually doing it? And for some people, there isn't value, and that's why they don't engage. Um, how much do meaning and value interact? I think they probably do have an interaction. Um, I think it's probably a bit deep and philosophical for many people, the idea of meaning or this greater meaning. So the value. What do I actually get from this? You know, what, how is it going to make my life better? And I think when we can do, when we can find that with people, when they can actually experience an element of, you know, what I'm doing this because I get something positive out of it and I can see that, then I think they engage with it. I think if we're just doing it because Tim tells me to or Ben tells me to or a book tells me to, there's no value of benefit there for me. Mm. So, you know, there was a great, uh, there was a great thing by this company called Strava, 
they found that no one enjoys running, but they run for different reasons. So it's finding one of those reasons for someone to engage. And when you do that, I think it's more successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, lovely, Ben. Um, and that sort of segues us perfectly to, to I'm, and I'm thinking about, well, if you were to ask someone what, what they could or should do for general health, exercise would be up there wouldn't it that you know that you should do some exercise it's a good thing for you to do a bit like saying well you should eat healthily yeah 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 but but many of us don't do one probably don't do either of those do we even though we know that it might have a benefit for us so what what can we do have you got some ideas of how we can bring that i know you said about value but that you know commit to the process of exercise for instance well, it, it, certainly for me it, it, it's there, there is no blueprint it's trial and error and most of the time that i spend working with people is trying different things adjusting things working out there is no blueprint it comes from listening to people discussing saying well have you thought about trying this once we've thought about trying this can we think about it in this way how can we put a plan into action how do we adapt that plan you know, it's, it's very pragmatic, it's very practical, uh, it's open to change, it's iterative, it's all of these different things. Um, and I, I think that sometimes, you know, this whole idea, sometimes of things like evidence-based medicine lead us to think, oh my God, there's the perfect plan for everyone. In truth, you're, you're trying to pick things out of someone's story, grab onto them, expand on them, play around with them, see if they work, come back, they didn't work well let's try like this let's try like that mm -hmm. um so so for me you know it's being open to the process it's engaging in a process that's the most important thing rather than saying oh my god this exercise is the best do it like this once it doesn't work you're pretty much screwed and then where do you go next you know it's being open to the idea especially within more long-term persisting pain mm -hmm. there aren't simple answers uh, or, or clear-cut answers and adaption, change, planning, and all the boring, crappy stuff go go the furthest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so um, I'm thinking then um, of the sort of um, the role that you might have as you as you're sort of saying that is, um, yeah. <laughs> If someone is in pain, they're recovering from pain, exercise is perhaps a part of that recovery process. Um, how important is it for that therapist to be there and to be, what would they be? Would they be a, a guide? Would they? Well, yeah, absolutely. So, so the role is one of more of a coach. It's uh, someone who guides, someone who points out potential opportunities or affordances as, uh, as if you want to get complicated. Um, you know, it, it's about showing people there are other options, other opportunities, other ways of doing things, finding the best way to do do it for that person. Um, I don't know if there's any any more to it. I think it's very different to the traditional, you know, this is the problem. This is the answer. You know, do it like this and then you're going to be fixed. You mm. know, it's understanding through experience and, it, and doing it, you know, mm. as, as a clinician, that, that it, it is a, a process of coaching failure successes more failure some more successes some more failure and along the way hopefully my aim is to find what i describe as sustainability 
Mm-hmm. I want that person to find something sustainable to, that they can do to give them agency for their problem. Sure, 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 sure. Um, and to me, yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds absolutely right. And I'm thinking about where habit might fit in there as well, that you're creating sustainability. In other words, exercise might be just a habitual part of your, your well, day. It's a positive day. habit, hopefully, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. a negative habit like smoking or drinking. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, and then um, you've spent a long time thinking about low back pain, haven't you? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to trying to unravel some of the complexity. I've not never got any closer to that, but yeah, yeah. And, and, and where do you go exploring? You know, someone who's who's really fearful about moving their themselves and and their back well typical expression would be kinesiophobia wouldn't it so someone is scared worried etc and i think that it's very often it's quite reasonable that they are given some of the messages that they are fed or the beliefs that they might hold about what that back pain means so yeah someone really really scared about moving uh, uh, do you have some tips about where you might go as as both the therapist or if someone's listening if they if they are in pain where might you go to explore movement yeah i I think firstly i I think that lots of people lose confidence i think loads of people lose confidence in their bodies and moving and you know are apprehensious i think true kinesophobia that's disabling is actually quite rare i think that, that egg has been slightly overcooked if i'm being honest but I think lower level lack of confidence is, is common in nearly all painful problems. Um, but I think we need to be compassionate. I think we need to be kind. I, I think we need to, you know, um, understand that it is a normal response to an abnormal situation. You know, I think that's a good way to define it. Sometimes it's the opposite way around, I think, discuss. So it seems to be it's an abnormal response. I think it's a pretty normal response to be. Uh, fearful or apprehensive of something that's painful pain isn't great um, and I think what we need to be doing to do mostly is give people good information and then good experiences as we've talked about before so understanding that our bodies are robust uh, understanding that things can hurt but they don't necessarily lead to you know serious damage and things like that but exploring that in a way that someone is comfortable and I think that's the key, isn't it? I think if someone feels that they're out of control in that situation, that becomes the biggest problem. So it's about giving ownership of that to the person, understanding that they're moving at their pace, they're exploring it in a way that they're comfortable. Uh, and I think, again, that comes back to that coach and guide role. Um, I think the big problems come when it's like, yeah, you're, you're fine, just move, just, you know. And I think that's where we start to lose people. So... You know, it's uh, it, it's work. It's understanding we are, even though we have robust spines, you know, sometimes we have to explore that in a way that is palatable to us as people. I've got this idea, and we've talked about this in the past, haven't we, about movement variability. Okay. Or another term might be movement abundance. Okay. I just, I just wondered whether, you know, where you sit with this idea of, variability in in movement and and what it might or might not mean for you or for your clients well I, I think it's you know one of the big problems I think with movement and this goes back to the early motor control kind of literature 
is the idea that there is this optimal way to move. So the idea is there's one optimal and then the rest of it is error. And we need to get rid of this error to get this optimal. And that goes right back to your Bernsteins and, you know, these kind of, you know, real early movement pioneers, if you like. Uh, and then you've got kind of the more more contemporary ideas with people like Mark Latash, and he's got that really famous paper, you know, uh, the problem of motor abundance, not motor control, uh, which is one of the uh, one of the things that sparked my interest. And what it's saying is this is an error. This variance is abundance. It's it's resource, and so we need to utilize this resource in its problem solving. And you know, one thing that how it fits into this world of rehab is that if you look at the effect of pain on movement is it actually decreases that variation. And if we think about, you know, ideas of protective responses, stiffness, you know, reducing degrees of freedom, reducing, you know, um, how much we move, is that likely to cause less pain with movement? And potentially we could say yes. And then, you know, and so I think there's two things here. So I think from a rehabilitation perspective, I think, you know, sometimes it's about restoring abundance as a variable in the same way we have strength or range or any of these other things, you know, variance in the way that we move and, and affordance and, and, and how many degrees of freedom and all this technical shit, you know, it, that, that's important. Another is important variable as well. And the other, I think the other perspective is how we actually interact and coach people around movement, you know, because I think we're so restrictive and we close down the, any variants. We say, this is the way to do it. And I think that's also created things like the kinesiopathic model, hasn't it? So it's led to, this is the optimal. Anything outside of this optimal, it's a problem. It's going to cause you pain. It's causing injury. And therefore, we need to stamp it out. You know, knee valgus, overpronation, scapula, dyskinesis, all these other things that don't actually really exist as pathologies. So, so I think from a rehab perspective, it's another variable that I want to explore. I think that relates well to the effect of pain and how we get it. I think just generally from a societal message, it's important because it reduces this idea that there is this optimal way to move. And if you don't move in that way, you're going to get hurt, which isn't true. Yeah, yeah lovely. Thanks for that. Um, we've done a really nice job of summarising it for me as well. So um the next question and my final question because uh I've, I've i've already used a lot of your time but um uh it's more on the le pub theme now ben so you'll yeah, be yeah. pleased to know this but i'm thinking is there one if you want to people that have really inspired you um that you'd like to sit down and and, and share a drink with um and and if so who are they and and can we direct people towards them as well? Yeah, so if we're talking from your, from, from Le Pub, someone that I've interacted with and I've always enjoyed interacting with but haven't actually had a drink with is the man Roger Kerry. So I always really love Roger's perspective, especially on evidence-based medicine because I quite enjoy research, statistical, da, 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 statistical methods, et cetera. And I always really like Roger's perspective on the, you know, the individual versus the mean value, you know, or, or am I, you know, who am I in this big thing? Am I just another number spewed out by calculation or I, am I an individual in this study? And I think that's the big clinical problem in the world of EBP, isn't it? Is that how do we reconcile this population level data with all this fancy statistical shit? 
how do we reconcile that with the individual in front of us? Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes when we have that human kind of, you know, evidence purist perspective, that gets lost. And I think Roger's done a really, really nice job of exploring that and opening my eyes in that sense. You know, I definitely feel like he's someone who has uh, kind of blazed a trail in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then anybody, well, past past people looking back and people who might have influenced you from the past? Yeah, certainly, you know, again, someone like Louis Gifford would, would probably be a, a quite an obvious uh, one, but, you know, he, he seemed to me to be a very, uh, you know, not someone that I met or interacted with, but certainly someone who seemed to be uh, very pragmatic and was about translating um, you know, kind of, you know, some of the, the complex biology, you know, his books managed to mix that kind of complex pain biology in one sense with very, very uh, intuitive human perspectives. Mm. And I think sometimes that's what we miss is that we, you know, is they, don't, they don't seem to be that many people that are very, very technically minded and then also very personally minded as well and i think that's a really nice um connection to have you know it's the kind of pragmatic uh meeting of, of the two things that that we really need and some people are fantastic you know in in this personal space and then there are other people that are very fantastic in this you know technical biological biology space and he seemed to bring them together really nicely and then write about them very honestly and transparently and you know engagingly Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did, did a fantastic job of communicating it as well. Yeah. And, and maybe that seemed that and maybe that was the greatest skill, mm. you know, is, and again, maybe that appeals to me because, you know, if there's maybe that's what I probably do, you know, I, you know, I don't probably maybe communication of some of the information is what I strive to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Ben, massive thanks. Thank you.